The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. You little turds are going to have to learn you can't run from the ice cream man! Welcome to Subversive Cinema. These films risk causing harm! They should be burned! I'd like to do any of these two guys at the same time. What? Hell yeah! I don't owe you any book. No more books! Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, Art, here, your purveyor of the peculiar, wrangler of the weird, Sherpa to the strange. And, man, there is this episode and then only one left in this season. It's crazy how fast this goes. If you're tuning in for the first time, you've got a bunch of episodes that you can go back and check out. And if you are joining us again, thank you for coming back. I appreciate your patronage. So, today, I am excited, as I always am. I'm just extra excited because I really, really love this movie. It's just so much fun for me. It is 2019's VFW, and it's directed by Joe Begos, written by Max Brallier and Matthew McArdle, and it is a story about veterans, a ruthless drug lord, a girl in trouble, and kicking ass the American way. And to talk about it, one of my favorite guests who loves, loves grindhousey, violent movies, Dan. How are you, Dan? I'm doing well, Art. Thank you for, I think, thank you for having me back. <laughs> so you know the routine. Have you ever heard of this movie before I brought it to your attention? To be honest, I think I caught a whisper of it or something like that when I, when I was doing my Wikipedia hunting on um uh the lead actor from this movie i can't think of his name Stephen lang Stephen lang i i think i went on like one of those like little uh you know trips you go on where you're like clicking around wikipedia and going from one article to the next and i saw that he had been in a movie called the vfw and it stuck out to me because in high school i volunteered at the vfw to fulfill my my volunteer credits that most high schools are required yeah. So. Did, did you ever in did you ever encounter any crazy shit like uh, what's in the movie when you were there? Perhaps were you caught in the crossfire of any sort? <laughs> no, I you know, I, I think I avoided that. I narrowly avoided that. I was mostly there to help them change out the keg, the beer keg they had <laughs> and cook breakfast for them on Sunday morning. <laughs> nice. So the, the big question then is, are you glad I made you watch it? No. <laughs> <laughs> So I had mentioned beforehand how it was a pretty juicy movie. And after I rewatched it, I was like, you know, it it is. It's just I thought Hobo with a Shotgun was more violent. But what do you think? That's a great question, because you mentioned that to me the other day in a text. And um, as I was watching this movie, I was like, I kind of forget what Hobo with a Shotgun, like how violent that one was or not. As I was watching this. I mean, granted, it's so over the top. It's like, it's like, I don't even want to say I'm desensitized to it. I just think it was just so over the top. It didn't (laughs) bother me as much as some movies do, you know? Yeah. And I just kind of was along for the ride. But as far as comparison to Hobo with a Shotgun, which is the one that we did last season Mm -hmm. uh, in a similar kind of vein... I mean, actually, these they felt so similar. I know their stories were very different, but they somehow just 
felt eerily similar in production quality and like intent, like the way what they were going for. Yeah, they're definitely very grindhouse themed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think maybe this one and it's over the topness was a little bit more violent. Maybe. Okay. Well, we'll we'll get into that soon enough. So this movie. Uh, as you already mentioned, it does star Stephen Lang, uh, most recently known. He's been an actor who's been around forever, did Avatar and tons of other things, but he's most recently known for the Don't Breathe films, and he plays Fred. Then we have William Sadler, who plays Walter Reed, who has uh, history in Shawshank Redemption, The Mist, Die Hard 2. Then we have black exploitation royalty Fred Williamson, who's there playing Abe. We have Martin Cove playing Lou. Everybody will recognize him from Karate Kid as the leader of the Bad Dojo. We also have David Patrick Kelly playing Doug. And you may remember him from The Warriors or The Crow. They have so... uh, Of course, how could I forget George Went? Norm from Cheers! (laughs) How, How could I forget him? You have all these titans of film and television and they're all pretty age appropriate to be playing these old salty Mm -hmm. dogs in a vfw post yeah just minding their own damn business it's fred's birthday he doesn't want to think about it everybody wants to to celebrate him because he was the staff sergeant who got half of them through the shit in vietnam and the other some had seen action in korea and in stumbles this young woman named lizard And she's got a backpack full of drugs from the vicious kingpin, Boz. And all hell breaks loose as Boz sets out all these tweaker heads to go and get his shit back. And then what we get is a bunch of geriatric guys kicking ass, chopping off arms, smashing faces, impaling people, and blowing things up. It is magical. So there you go. So what? Oh yeah, I forgot to mention what we're here for. So this is Subversive Cinema. We're here to talk about the weird, wacky, and downright wrong entries in cinematic history. And how do we look at the subversive sauce to determine how saucy and subversive it is while we break it down by character's story? And what the fuck? So let's get into it, Dan. Characters. So what character or characters stood out to you and why? Uh, so I, would, I think it would have to be... The young guy that comes in randomly. Oh uh, yes, the young the soldier Sean, Sean, otherwise known yeah. as Deadeye. Yeah, I, I couldn't figure out why he showed up at the VFW in, in full dress gear and everything. He had just like come He's, back from. Yeah, he had just come back from duty. He literally had just come back from duty. He was saying how his buddy told him to wear the the uniform on the plane. Yeah. And he would get first class. Didn't happen. So, yeah. And then when he comes back and they ask, hey, show your ID because it could be stolen valor, which is somebody pretending to be military. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he shows him. And and Fred, the bartender, can tell. He's like, wow, he just came back. Like he just, Here's his, his stuff just says he just served. So he had literally just come off the plane with his rucksack. He hadn't even gone home to see his wife and kid yet. Just had to stop in to get a cold beer. <laughs> He had to stop in at a at a VFW that he's never been to before because no one recognized him. Yes, and, that is true. But it was like, you know, he is now legit veteran of a foreign war. So he why is. not take advantage of that first thing when you get back? 
You exactly. Know? And also, it just happens to help the story because he comes in hand quite a bit later. Dan, yeah. don't question why things happen in the plot. We'll get to that under the story section. All right. I'm just saying that that character stood out to me for th- for that reason. I was just like, wait. It's like, what are you doing here? I know. What are you doing? Like, you didn't go home to your wife and kid? Did he, did he, yeah, and I saw the ring on his finger, so I thought he had a wife. But did he have a kid? I didn't know that. Dan, he has a kid. That's why he didn't want to go home. Oh. <laughs> Come on Are now. you serious? <laughs> no. Um, he, he's, he's really probably relishing it. He's like, I, got, I just got another few hours of quiet before I have to hear it when I get home. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, how about how about you, Art? What what character? I love Abe, played again by Fred Williamson. He was just awesome in his salty dog demeanor. I uh, I enjoyed the fact that he's best friends with the bartender. You know, the first thing they do is he picks him up in the truck to take him to the bar. But what really, really endeared me to him was this speech. She got no pussy ass. Pardon? I like pussy hairs. What gives her the right to cut off her pussy hairs? Her pussy? <laughs> I don't understand how they get it so smooth. Like a goddamn ice luge. Lasers. Lasers? Of course, the kid, kid knows lasers. Kid knows. Moonraker. Blasting cunt hairs from <laughs> outer space. <laughs> pew! Pew! <laughs> you don't get it. Back in the day, I used to buy toothpicks by the gross, just in case, you know what I'm saying? Uh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) So they're talking about how the the birthday plan for Fred was that they had seen Mrs. 1963 at a USO show. uh, I think in like 69 or whatever over in Vietnam. And they found out that she had a daughter, and that self-same daughter was stripping at a club in their town. And they were showing him a brochure. So they were apparently looking at a nude Was it a brochure? Because it looked like a newspaper clip. It looked like a flyer or whatever. It was something. It was was some sort of advertisement. All right. It it makes more sense for it to be a flyer, because when I saw that, I I thought it was a newspaper clip. Brochure was the wrong word. Sorry, it just it came out. Thank you, well, Dan. Well, my point is, is that whatever it's on, they just they just did full frontal pictures in it, and it couldn't have been a newspaper. But this society that this movie takes place in, maybe who knows? Maybe this is in the same town that Hobo with a Shotgun took place. Who knows? But yeah, so I, I loved Abe for that, <laughs> and just in general, he's just a badass dude. You know, uh, anybody else stand out to you? Um. Oh my gosh, the girl lizard. She was so annoying. She was so <laughs> yeah, she, annoying. She did seem to be a bit grumpy by the fact that yes. all these dudes are dying for her, and it was really her fault. Yes, that's how I felt. I was like, Are you kidding me right now? Why are you giving these old guys attitude when you brought this into their evening? <laughs> these guys already faced war overseas, and now you're bringing it into their little haven there. Um, and then she's giving him attitude about it. It's like, oh, come on. Like, she, yeah. That was a little silly. Yeah. Yeah. I also enjoyed Walter. I love that his name is Walter Reed, like the hospital, <laughs> played by William Sadler. Uh, his introduction is great. They, you know, Fred picks up Abe on the way to the bar. When they get to the bar, he hops out of the truck, bangs on the tailgate, and 
pop and up pops Walter, yeah. who's been sleeping in the bed of the truck. And it just tells me everything I need to know about him and the other characters and their relationships together. Such a fantastic way to introduce this group of misfit old guys who are just doing the best they can with the days they got left in, uh, to be serious here, in a country that generally disregards our veterans uh, in such a poor, poor fashion, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it's it, it, the thing I really liked about it is all the characters stood out to me for different reasons. Doug, yes, he's a, he's a silly pothead, but I mean, like, he just, you know, little hardcore guy who had such a... A, a badass demeanor, even though he got almost cleaved in half by a fire axe, you know? Yep. Lou, he he was kind of crazy, you know? He was, like, sort of, like, the one guy who got his shit together and went off and owned a business and wasn't spending his days in a bar, but he was kind of a douche, you know? But yeah. he had a redeeming factor. We actually, though, we didn't get very much time to get to know who Tom was, or Thomas, played by George Went. He just, you know, was at the bar drinking, just like Norm, and then he gets fucking chopped up, so... But all these guys felt like somebody I had seen at some point in a bar. You know, they all did feel realized in that sense. And on top of that, what was interesting is, you know, this movie is crazy, violent, and all this stuff. But apart from a quick flash of it early on, there isn't any violence for the first third of the movie. Yeah. You go 30 minutes before all the shit hits the fan. Mm -hmm. And instead, you know, you're treated to them building the relationships and knowing who these guys are. And as they fall... You know, you start seeing some real moments between people of, you know, losing a, you know, comrade. And there's just, just a lot that works for this. You know, there's a lot in this movie that works for me. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of characters. I, I like them all. I like them all. So you want to talk about story, Dan? I do. Okay, um, so story. Did it make sense to you? Yes, no, why, what for? Yeah, it did. I mean, it was it was pretty pretty simple plot. Um it, I didn't have to stretch my imagination. They did a really good job, as you put it, of, of kind of the characters, the, the the men in the VFW felt realistic. They felt like the kind of men I saw at the VFW when I was volunteering there. They, they, um, um, the, the one thing that w- was kind of, um, off for me was the the gang like the drug gang or whatever that was a little cartoony like when things (laughs) yes the hypers when things got when things got really crazy at the in the last half it essentially became a zombie movie where all of a sudden these people are just hyped up on this drug literally and are trying to come into the building and they're just like the the men in the VFW are just killing them all, <laughs> but they're people with a drug problem. It's kind of, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. There's there if you want to look at this with a from a a um some sort of postmodern um or or some sort of interpretive lens, then you can say that oh my gosh, what if what if these are men who served in the military who are having a really bad PTSD episode, and this is all in their heads. And they're just reacting to a, a culture that hasn't accepted them, you know, like a culture that they fought and had friends die for probably back in, in the U.S. And, and these are the people that are they fought for and now they're being attacked by them. And and uh, it's all gone to pot in the, in the U.S. And and uh, all of these kind of like. 
I can't imagine, you know, I mean, it's all made up, of course. It's just a, a screenplay, but but um I don't know. It's it's it was kind of like um sad. That was like the saddest part to me was was them being attacked like that uh in their own haven, their own safe haven, you know. Wow, that's deep, dude. <laughs> How do you you, you you take something that's splatterific and then you, you put you put some some real social shit onto it, man. I mean, it's kind of when you when you have an issue with with like you you have a lot of real world issues in this. You have veterans issues, which they I mean they don't really touch heavily on, but it, it's implied just by the name of the the movie and the the location yeah, they don't, where it takes place. They don't hammer it. They just yeah. You, know, you you see where they are. You see what they have. You hear them talk about it. Yeah. You know, and you you hear them talk about it in their experience, and that's it. Like you can infer the rest. Yeah, exactly. It's not heavy handed about it, but exactly as you put it, you can infer kind of the rest there and then on the other hand you have this this and i'm not going to call it even a commentary because i think that might give it a little too much credit but you have this like right you have this like antagonistic you know uh drug gang drug dealing gang or whatever who whose members are just like relying on this uh you know drug that makes you go crazy and you'll you'll literally kill yourself when you're asked to to get the drug um so it kind of like defies all reason. The drug causes a person to do defy all reason and logic. And in in the real world, I mean, I know that that um, drug laws in some parts of the country are, are becoming more lax for for better or for worse. And and um, the but you know addiction is still really a, a problem in the in the uh, U.S. There's the opioid pandemic and stuff. It's it's, it's real. It's a real world issue. And you can't have a movie, I think, that that even touches on those, you know, veterans of war, drugs, drug epidemic in America, um, prescribed or otherwise, um, and not be like kind of thinking of these parallels and, and maybe what kind of deeper inference you can get from it. I know that's not what this movie was going for, but I was trying to get I'm trying to get something out. <laughs> this film. Jesus, Dan. The only thing you need to get out of this film is this. That's what you need to get out of this film. And that is the thesis that someone made about this, about the, uh, yeah, deeper meaning in this film. That right there, that audio recording. Uh, you're right. And also, uh, <laughs> I would also say uh, this too. Come on, Lou! Sorry, Gordon. You just have to blow up a room full of zombie tweakers you um you know what that's when you hear that whatever you're imagining it's true (laughs) (laughs) oh that's true actually you know what we should play this i'm gonna play a game with you um and i want you to uh tell me the method of of death okay we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pause on on the commentary and i want you to tell me 
it, what the method of death was or what the death scene was. Because you just watch this movie, so let's see if you can remember yes, this, okay? I, I should I should get this. All right. Here's number one. Uh, shotgun. Yes, correct. That was a shotgun blast to the head. To <laughs> oh, I know that scene. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then here is another one. This was one of my personal favorites. Is that the stomping? Yes, that was a head stomp. Yeah, head stomping. <laughs> yes. I remember that. Uh, okay, so, and here is uh, number three. Uh, I'm probably going to be wrong. Is that the impaling with the flagpole? Not the flagpole. Very. It oh. is an impaling, but not the flagpole. Okay, okay. Do you care to guess what other impaling it might have been? The uh, trap that they set up in the... Um... Oh, that oh is... never mind. I, you I were wrong. Know. No, that is the impaling on the antler through the back of the oh! head and the eye. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, as soon as I saw the antlers and, and on the wall, I was like, oh, someone's going to get impaled by that. And oh, yeah. Right. Hey, you know, they even say that at some point they say it's like, watch out, you'll poke your eye out on that or something like that. Oh, it's, it's, my a, God. it's a throwaway line. Uh-huh. And it's uh, it's like very Chekhovian, you know, you got to yes. show it, right? <laughs> yeah. I, hey, I appreciate that. I appreciate the follow through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, Dan, you know what? Two out of three. That ain't bad. You did pretty good. Pretty good. I guess I need to rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do it. We'll start it all over. We'll meet you back here. I'm just kidding. So, yeah, the story, look, it makes sense. It, it's it, it's it's using, as you said, the the people, the, the, the villains, this faceless army of just cannon fodder, or, yes, just drug addicts and stuff. And I think the reason they, they give them these qualities to sort of make them very zombie-like is, again, to dissociate you from the fact that they are people who have severe issues and profound yeah. dependencies. <laughs> like, you have to distance them from normal people almost to the point where their brains have been melted. Yeah. They're no longer viable. They can't be saved, you know? Are there, otherwise, you have all these veterans murdering drug addicts. Like Exactly. You have a, <laughs> yeah. But I tell you what, the addicts are very spry. They're very, Ooh, very yes. quick. They're very strong. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to you know dehumanize and desensitize, and yeah. it's also using a, you know a standard sort of plot device of using a group of people at you know leveraging their weakness to your advantage as Boz does. They did this in the remake of Judge Dredd in the movie Dredd, where they promise the drug to anybody in the building who can stop the cops. And it's the same sort of thing in the raid where, you know, they make an announcement. Anybody who gets them will get whatever. It's like you're mm -hmm. utilizing mm -hmm. who's there. And it actually is summed up, though, so well. It's one of my favorite lines in this movie, and it's from Boz. Don't underestimate him, Gutter. You see, an army of brain-dead animals is still an army. And I love that. An army of brain-dead animals is still an army. I mean, it's such a great point that, yeah, are they the best? No. But there's still a fuck ton of them, and they're on his side. So, yeah. So the story the story serves what this movie is. It's supposed to 
give you 90 minutes of sloshy, splashy fun. And uh, it does. So let's get on to probably something I'm sure you have lots of things to say about uh, the what the fuck section. So, Dan, what in this movie made you say, what the fuck? Oh, man. Uh... And don't you dare say Abe's speech, because that is fucking poetry. Actually, no, that's that. You're right. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said that. Um <laughs> Let me let me think here though. There there was there were many of them. A lot of the, a lot of the like WTF moments were actually expected, like gory deaths or something. So I can't really say that they're like oh they 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 shook me or took me by surprise. But I mean, there was just a a lot of that, especially like as you pointed out, like in the last two thirds of the movie. Um, but anything that really stood out to me, like. I guess like the the opening scene where the guy tosses the drug off the edge of the balcony and tells the sister to jump after it. And she does. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I was thinking they're thinking, I was like, wait a minute. Why, why didn't she just take an elevator? Like why did she need to <laughs> jump off the building to do it? And she just like leaps off and then goes splat in the, on the ground. I'm like, I, I guess she's probably, you know, brain addled like her, you know, from the drug, but maybe that's it. I mean, Easy explanation. She's just brain dead, literally. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you just need to cut to a um, to the main title with something like this. You're right. Fair enough. fantastic because there's so much blood that just shoots out it just like spills out of, out <laughs> of her, the, like the, yeah. the title yes. yeah so yeah. that's that's a great way to start it yes uh the other thing to me that i don't i i just like as i saw this i was like i get what this movie is going for but the the grainy filter over it it mm. was so to me it was so evidently like a filter put on digital digital film or something sure. to make it give it give it that like you know 80s action film or you know this movie was made 30 years ago yeah Not yeah really. you want to give it the vintage grindhouse feel right yeah <laughs> and you you have to make it look aged yeah sure. i i was there were times where i was just like eh, okay i don't need you don't need to do that and then there then there was the blue and red lighting everywhere like so oversaturated and blue and red sometimes i was like all right i get it this is what you're going for. But um, sometimes I, it was hard for me to make out what was happening because of the way it was lit. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, give me a second. I want to hear what, what some of yours are <laughs> and I'll see if like something pops out to me. Well, I mean, the very first one that happened other than, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to when I first saw the movie. Okay. Okay. So, because at this hey, point, when I... did you, see, when did you first see this movie, by the way? Uh, I saw it, I believe, the year it came out. It wasn't in theaters, or at least not around here. Uh-huh. But I do remember seeing it, I think, on a streaming service somewhere. And yeah. I was like, what is this movie? And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's what I remember. So a couple years ago was the first time. Got it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so the first one, other than her splatting on the ground, I was like, ah, oh, this is so much, again, like Dread, you know, which <laughs> begins with somebody nosediving over the corner. Oh, really? Over. Yeah, it begins with somebody taking a nosedive, except significantly higher. 
and splattering on the ground because that's what the police come to show up. If I remember right, that's what the police show up to check out. But it was when Doug caught the axe in the shoulder uh, from Tank in this moment. And that's exactly how I felt. I was like, no! Oh poor Doug. Oh my gosh. Because yeah. Doug is just like, you know, the fun loving pot smoking. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I just got myself California medical weed. <laughs> and he's like, oh, not like that shit we used to smoke. Uh, so yeah. uh, for me, it was all of the surprise kills. And I think it's because they spent such time developing all these guys that you didn't want any of them to die, but you knew just by the situation people were going to die. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I would say to myself too, more of a what the fuck against myself than him is when uh, George Wentz character died, Thomas is just because it's like, I don't know. It's like, I guess it was like, I didn't feel very much because we didn't get to know him very much. Yeah. I have a feeling he was, one of those casting things that they got the money for it and they said, Hey, we got George went from cheers. We have him for one day. Yeah. So let's shoot all of his shit out real quick. Yeah. And there was just not a lot of time. Let Which me say this. Is, he's not as big of an actor in my opinion as half the other guys, but what I, I agree. I recognized him, but I yes. agree with you. I feel like there were a lot of names in this, in this film that have history, whether they're, they're still regularly making acting professionally or not they there were a lot of names in here that when i did a little research I, I was like oh i remember them from this or that or something yeah um let me say this though about the okay the re you could say to to this film's credit there weren't a lot of wtf moments that jumped out at me right meaning everything that there was nothing too shocking there was nothing so unexpected that it felt out of place yeah. um where whereas in and a, a more poorly made film those wtf moments they stand out like a sore thumb because it's just they're so bizarre and funny yes take into account what was happening around it with this film everything that happens how the bizarre deaths the you know the action scenes and stuff you you know it's coming you know it's going to be in there there weren't in kind of a good way you you get what you expect like it, it delivers everything that you expect it to deliver right like this is what you're like in the mood for so. yeah ex- and that a year i 100 agree it, it really is it's a well-done movie and it just delivers everything it needs to along the way everything happens and it's not out of character for what's happening in the movie some yeah. of it's excessive uh <laughs> such as however long it takes to chop off an arm like this <laughs> Quick cut away. Right, so right. chopping in the Move background. Okay, come on. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Chopping in the background. Head out, Lou. I got blood all over. You need a better tourniquet. Give me your belt. It's alligator skin. Give me your. I remember that. I'll strangle yeah. you with it. Okay, and the arms off. <laughs> yeah, I remember that scene, and I was going, "Wow, it's still happening." That. <laughs> <laughs> It was so uncomfortable for me to watch. I was just like, "Oh, this is why I love giving you these movies, Dan, because <laughs> I just know how uncomfortable you're going to be." <laughs> oh my god! Oh man, one another one I will point out again. It's just another of the surprise deaths, and it is uh, he didn't die in it from this wound, but it was when Walter 
gets attacked through the window of the truck. Yes! Oh my god! And there's been so many close calls for so many of the other characters when they're being choked and they're about to get stabbed or shot or whatever, and they get out in just the nick of time. But this is one of those situations where the chainsaw's getting closer and closer and closer, and it then makes contact, and that sucked. It's so juicy. You know know what? That happened. And spoiler alert, like you pointed out, he doesn't die from it. As I was watching that scene, I was like, oh my gosh, it's making contact. That chainsaw is making contact with him. He's screaming. There's splatter. And then like a scene or two later, he's like in the front seat of the truck and he's talking to Sean. He's like, I'm I'm goner. I'm a goner or something. Where yeah. where's uh Fred or whatever his name is? And to Sean, the dead eye, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But so he lived somehow through that. I mean, he di- he dies. Well, but... he did he did get it in the shoulder. I mean, look, right. it's not like it's not like Texas chainsaw or something where he's getting cleaved in half by a chainsaw. So fair enough. Fair enough. He was but that was through. one of those where I was just like, oh, what the fuck, man? I thought he was yeah. gonna make it. You yeah, know? that was I, I I agree. I was I was right there with you. I was like, I thought he was gonna be one of the the survivors. But um final girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah the, the, the final veteran yeah um, final veteran <laughs> yeah uh, but in, you're right in the end it's it's hard to really point out any true what the fuck other than just hey like there's heightened violence and cartoonish depictions of it so it is what it is i was gonna say that i i wasn't positive about this as i was watching it but I, as i was watching i was like oh my gosh the set here is perfect this looks like a, a vfw and then i read on the they shot it page, in an actual vfw yeah that they shot it in an why not of course like um that's if you're gonna make a movie called vfw go find one that's willing to let you shoot there that's that, right because that's how you get the most authentic looking um place so maybe it was they just saw it on the out outside of it i don't know if they let them shoot on the inside because they really trashed that inside of. no i have a feeling that well this this did it i, I i'm terrible for not having this at the at my fingertips uh okay i don't have the information about what the budget was but mm-hmm. there's clearly enough that i wouldn't be surprised if they shot portions of it in an actual VFW mm-hmm. and then just recreate it somewhere else. Or they shot all the exteriors at the VFW yeah. and then they just built this on a soundstage somewhere mm-hmm. and they just slowly trashed it. I mean, it was really only one set mostly used through 90% of the movie, which was yeah, the, the inside VFW. of the, the bar. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I can see how this would have been made on a relatively low, low budget. Yeah. I uh, also just wanted to call out this uh, this one little moment I really liked uh, before we, we get to the final question here. At least he died doing something he liked to do. Who the fuck said I was dead? Fuck. Jesus. <laughs> Abe, everybody thought Abe died at the bar. And <laughs> <laughs> scares everybody. Wait, so he di- he wasn't dead? He died after. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he I... wasn't dead when they came in. They poured him a shot, and then they were because they're going around toasting to everybody. Yeah, and then yeah. You, then you'll hear Sean. Z, Luke, 
Waller. And Lucy. And Abe. <laughs> because Abe just died right there. Knocked over the glass, dropped the cigar. And here you are laughing at a heartfelt moment, you I'm, son of a I'm bitch. So, I'm so sorry. It's just the timing is so weird. Like, well, especially when you hear it out of context without any of the visuals. Well, see, when they first come back in, he looks like dead at the bar. Yes. And then they say that thing. And then he says, who says I was dead? And I was like, oh, okay, he's alive. And then they just kill him like 10 seconds later. <laughs> well, he was on death's door anyway. But, All right. You know, All right. Um, Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. So. All I can say, uh, all I can say to you, sir, after uh, such disrespect, is <laughs> gotta gotta hit you with the head crush. <laughs> all right, Dan. Let let's 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 talk it here. Subversion. Mm -hmm. So, how subversive was this film to you? It wasn't subversive at all. Like as I said earlier. It delivered exactly what I was expecting it to. And I'm sure if I were a fan of this type of movie, it would have I would have said it did delivered it well. So what would you give it on a scale of one to ten? Because I agree that it, it's not excessively or very subversive. I think it has some elements in it that did catch me by surprise, that did you know, again, thinking back to the first time I saw it, that did uh, buck what I was, I guess, not expecting but hoping. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's not exceptionally subversive. But what would you give it on a scale of one to ten? I'd give it a six out of ten. Well, you're a little bit more charitable than I. I was going to give it like a four. Really? Uh, let Let's just meet in the middle and call it five. I think a, actually a five would be better because I don't think it was a terrible movie. Oh, it's not giving it a. It, this is not the subversive scale. Isn't about how good or bad it is. It's just. How subversive oh, was oh, it in terms oh, okay. of what you expected, you know? Then let's rewind. I thought I, I thought you were asking in general. I should know this by now, Art. It's, <laughs> as far as a subversive, yeah, I, I am with you. I would, I actually would give it even lower than, than what you gave it. It, it. On the subversive scale, I would give this a two. Wow. Yeah. Even more. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to have to to go ahead and give it my five, and we're just going to round it to a four, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, you're the boss. <laughs> you're damn right, don't you forget it. <laughs> oh, my God. Dan, thank you for putting yourself through this yet again. I appreciate it. Do you have anything you would like to share with the subversive audience? Anything that you were working on? Anything they could find you doing? Nothing these days. I am I'm not being creative at all, but thank you for asking Art. <laughs> I thought you were gonna you say, can't... but thank you for, for making me have to admit that <laughs> and and feel feel guilty for my, but, my yeah, exactly. Um I mean if people want to come hang out with me and chat about subversive film or anything else, they can come to my Twitch channel. I stream a lot. My Twitch channel is just one thing DM. Get a job, uh, you hippie. Jesus. <laughs> not yet. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm I'm a hippie, I guess. You know, playing um, the video games and making friends on the internet. <laughs> exactly. Whatever happened to good old real life face to face friends? That's right. Whatever happened to hitting a stick and a hoop down the road? <laughs> You're right. That's fun. But um, yeah, I guess that's what I would say. I come come hang out on my Twitch channel sometime. All right, we'll put the the channel handle in the show notes. 
Dan, thank you again for coming back. Thanks, man. Penultimate episode of season two. And we'll be back next week for the season finale. Ice Cream Man, classic Clint Howard. It's going to be fun. to hear that one. Oh, yes. All right. Thank you again. And until next time, everybody, stay subversive. Bye. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out, too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.